What's going on, Commonwealth? And welcome back to another great episode of the Bluegrass Soccer Cast, your home for all things soccer right here in the beautiful Commonwealth of Kentucky. I'm Jimmy. That's Mr. John. And today we've got a fantastic show for you today. And today we are not only a duo, we have a third joining us today. Um, today we are very, very excited um, to be joined by one of the members of Butchertown Rundown. Um, today we have Caitlin White. Uh, oh, my notes just crashed. Whiteside um, joining us. Well, that's refreshing. Um, let me bring her on. Caitlin, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? I'm good. Good. Good, good. Uh, my notes are back, so it's no longer a disaster. <laughs> good. Um, so we have Caitlin on today. We kind of want to talk about all things racing Louisville, kind of recapping the season um, and just really looking forward to the off season and, you know, all of that that comes with it. But Caitlin, I kind of want to, to open the platform up to you uh, to start here. Kind of talk to us about your journey in soccer and how did you get to Butchertown Rundown? Yeah, so I started playing soccer. I was probably around seven or eight, um, and I'm of that of that age group that um, watched the '99 World Cup. And yeah, I'm not the only one. Let's go. Yeah. I'm a thirty-something. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, that's where I was really first exposed to watching soccer on TV. And um, then I just kind of followed the national team. Uh, didn't really follow any of the women's leagues that closely because they weren't around for very long periods yeah, well, one of time. One or two years, right? Yeah. So um, I just kind of followed the U.S. team until uh, Louisville got a team. And yeah, then I followed racing and, um, you know, just kind of got involved with the supporters groups. And then um, I met Becky Morgan, who uh, she and Tom started Butchertown Rundown. And they hosted it uh, for the first time last year. And then they asked me to come on uh, this year. And yeah, it's just been it's been really fun. And um, yeah, we have a we have a great time. So. So talk to us a little bit about the the formation. You mentioned, you know, that Tom and Becky started it. Uh, what is Butchertown Rundown? Yeah, Butchertown Rundown was started um, as well, initially last year, it was the only podcast dedicated to um, Racing Louisville, which, as you all know, is the only top tier professional sports team in the state of Kentucky. I love so... that you all put that in at the beginning of every episode. Like Tom lets everybody know. Yep. The only well, it top should tier. be known, right? Yeah. I see Tom it should. all the time. It's like Kentucky doesn't have any top pro sports teams. I'm like, they do. And they've had yeah, for like three years, four years now. Yeah. Yeah, so we just we kind of focus on that, um, and then obviously there's now um, <coughs> Lavender Louisville as well. So it's cool to see other, and then you guys. So it's like it's cool to see all these podcasts and, and things popping up. I mean, I think it's it's always great to have more um, media dedicated to um, you know this this sport that we have here and the city loves so much. So absolutely. What position did you play? Um, I was midfield or forward, um, anything but defense. <laughs> I hated it. Yeah. I hated defense. So I was, uh, when I was in college, I played intramural and I don't know if I've told the story on here. I was terrible, like really bad. Yeah. I was an offensive lineman in football, like all through high school. So I was not fast at all. So they put me on defense 
And that was just the worst time <laughs> of my entire life because you're literally like the last line of defense. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary. And I mean, <clears throat> I liked scoring goals, you know, I just I just did. So, I yeah, mean, everyone does. Exactly. Right. <laughs> the modern defenders are now like, well, why can't we do it, too? That's very true. Right. That's very you just true. Look at Inter Miami, Jordi Alba, like him running up uh, the the side. Uh, Yedlin running up the side for the national team and for Inter Miami. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just part of uh, the new modern soccer, like you said there, John. Yeah. Um, you know, John, any any questions before we dive into the reflection part of uh, the season? Um. Do you follow anybody like outside of the U.S. in terms of soccer? Like, obviously, you follow you follow Lou, Lou Racing, and I mm-hmm. probably keep up Blue City. But do you follow like anyone else outside, like overseas clubs, any of that sort? Um, are you trying to get me to say my Premier League, the Premier League team that I follow? I, <laughs> yes, we I are. support. Yes, we are. I support all <laughs> leagues that I can. Yeah, watch. yeah. Um. So I. Before this year, I like Premier League wise, I was just like, I'll just tune in and watch whoever. I really didn't like have an allegiance anywhere. Um, however, my my boyfriend is a Tottenham Hotspur fan. And so I have been brought into the fold. Mm. And uh, yes, I am a Spurs supporter now. Um, well, so and they're having you, you picked good... a good year to come <laughs> into the fold. <laughs> say i'd say you know i don't know if i had something to do with that but i'll take i'll take some credit for it i think you did yeah yeah i mean it's a beautiful stadium right where the nfl plays most of their games when they go there they play there like i would love to go and see that stadium in person now they just need to win a trophy exactly well that's (laughs) what don't get too carried away no i i i want that too i would love that um but yeah it's so i'm kind of like uh, you know, I'm hearing it from uh, Arsenal fans. I'm getting it from Chelsea fans, uh, learning basically who <laughs> Spurs rivals are. So that's an, a new part of the game that like we just don't we don't really have that here in the U.S. And I mean, maybe some rivalries, but like definitely not in the NWSL. There's like a handful of rivalries, the biggest one being like Portland and O.L. Reign. Right. But is that a rivalry just because of proximity to the cities or is it anything really with the teams? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both now. It's mm. been around the longest, I think, and it's just kind of evolved. Um, but yeah, that's an, a very interesting part of, of the game um, overseas. Yeah. Do you think uh, the lack of rivalries and stuff is due to like this kind of coverage of women's sports of like, just got to support it, mm. support it in any fashion type thing. You can't, don't like bad talk it sort mm-hmm. of thing. Whereas uh, like the men, there's like people's like, no, I hate that team. I don't care. I hate that team. Right. You know, I think, yeah, sure. That's, that's definitely part of it. Um, and also I just feel like you can't like manufacture rivalries, right? You kind of just have to, they kind of have to happen um, organically um and i guess racing just hasn't you know we don't really have a a rival yet i'm trying to think of one i mean there are teams that i would prefer not to ever play again but (laughs) i don't know about the team themselves so well with lexington coming on with the super league next year Mm -hmm. it was an entertaining 
uh, match for racing fans when they played this year in the W League. Yeah. Um, not so much yeah. for Lexington. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we shut them out. We shut them out for two two halves. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but I think on aggregate it was probably like what seventeen Shush. to zero. Shush. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> but the 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 Lexington <laughs> women's team will come around and will be much much better next year. I, I have no doubt they'll be much more competitive. Mm-hmm. Especially if we get like a a club kind of like an open cup sort of on the women's mm-hmm. side once we that, get more leagues, that'd be cool. Either an open cup, I think it's probably more like a leagues cup. Thing yeah, mm-hmm. there's yeah. not really outside of the like the, the MLS uh, and La, uh, La Liga Emekis, you know, the yeah. one that Inter Miami won. Yeah, <laughs> all praise Messi. Oh, you're messy, messy fan here, right? Oh He's no, Inter Miami fan. Oh, Inter Miami fan. I was okay. a fan before, and I will be a fan after. But thank yeah. God he's here. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. But yeah, no that that is something to kind of to talk about. I, we have heard a little bit of scuttlebutt, not really even rumors about you know some kind of leagues cup or you <coughs> open cup forming on the women's side. What have you heard? Any kind of leaning towards something? Um, I, I haven't heard anything specifically. Um, I do think that there, at least this year, there were a couple scrimmages, um, or not scrimmages, just like friendlies between NWSL teams and maybe like a Liga, uh, Emeki Feminel team, mm. uh, Feminel team. Um, so, and then obviously racing has the, um, the women's cup. Um, they didn't do it this year because of the world cup. But um, that kind of gives a little bit more exposure to uh, teams from outside the U.S. as well. Um, I haven't heard about anything official. Um, I guess that maybe the only thing is that I do think they're getting rid of the Challenge Cup next year. It's not oh. it's not been officially confirmed, but it's hmm. pretty much on the way out and it's going to just look very different. So I don't know if you know, maybe they could possibly replace that with um, some other, you know, friendly games uh, between, you know, other leagues, but, you know, nothing official or anything. I think, I think there should be, like you guys said, there's, you know, lots of opportunity for that. Yeah. Cause you just thinking about it in our state, right? Like I live way out on the Western side, not way out I'm from way out on the Western side of the state. So I could see two smaller clubs in Pumas Premier who has a girls team, like a girls youth academy. And I believe they want to start a UPSL uh, women's team working with like the Bold and Green Golden Lions and Mm -hmm. then working against like, you know, racing to an Alex to and like an early competition um, to then make it into, you know, the opening round of some kind of of tournament. I think that would be awesome. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. But um, we'll kind of use that as a little bit of a transition point to talk about the the racing Louisville season, right? Um, kind of a rocky start, right? You know, uh, four draws in the first six matches. It took a while for the team to come around. In that early season, what were you looking for the most? I don't want to say the most. That sounds too cliche. But, like, what were you looking for that you, we didn't get from the team? Um, at the, at the beginning of the season, uh, well, I was definitely looking to see what our back line would look like with the addition of Abby Erseg and, and Carson Pickett. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and I was, you know, just just interested to see how um, well Savannah DeMello and Jalen Howell would kind of work together in the midfield. Um, unfortunately, as the season went on, we kind of, you know, Sav went off to the World Cup, Jalen got injured, so that kind of got derailed a little bit, but there were, you know, games where we had all of them and it was really exciting to watch. <clears throat> But like the biggest thing for me was, what is our defense going to look like? That was a huge question mark for me uh, because last year, if anyone watched any games at all, it was not great. Um, was no, it? It wasn't. No. No. This year, it's so much better. I, I would need to look this up again, but I think maybe they we ended the season on a positive goal differential for like the first time, or it's at zero. It's it's. I don't think it's negative, which is like. Sounds small, but that's pretty big. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, like that, compared that to would the first. Be huge. Yeah. Yes, so plus one goal differential. See? You beat me to it. See, that's that's huge. Um, if you ask me season one racing if that was possible, I'd look at you like you're crazy. No, it's not. So <laughs> so yeah, the our defense definitely improved so much. Um, however, you know, the pendulum always swings the other way. We had a little bit of trouble scoring by the end mm-hmm. so yeah yeah you know goals for 25 for the year not the worst in any way shape or fashion <coughs> right but when you look at kansas city and chicago who finished at the bottom of the table they had at least five more goals or five more goals in the shape uh for kc three more for chicago so it you're interesting you bring up an interesting point that it has kind of flipped mm-hmm. yeah so the, the season kind of started to turn when we got into Challenge Cup play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those matches and, and that run, to me, that was the highlight of the season, right? How did you kind of see things in the Challenge Cup? Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, in hi- you know, in hindsight, we really put all our eggs in that Challenge Cup basket. Um, oh, and, yeah. And I think we paid, we paid for it by the end. Um, we really put our best lineups out for every challenge cup game and whereas a lot of teams you know maybe use that as a time to give bench players some more um playing time that they wouldn't usually get um racing did not do that they were like we are going all the way for this they did make it to the final um but at what cost you know Mm -hmm. we didn't make it to the playoffs so that's that's the cost do you think there was a correlation there for racing uh from from my perspective, yeah, it looks like wow. it. If I, if you ask the players, I'm sure they would say no. But oh, yeah, of course they would. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're, they're they like no, the can, championship. Yeah, we can we can handle it all. You know, we're not too tired. We're not being overworked. Whatever. We're not playing a lot of games. Um, but to me, yeah, just after that Challenge Cup game, there's just or the final, there's just like some Challenge Cup fatigue, Challenge Cup hangover. I don't know, but the team didn't look the same consistently. So well, John has heard me, his me go on this rant. I'm about to go on at least twice, if not three or four times at this point, but I was massively disappointed in the league for having that game on, I think it was a Saturday, no, a Sunday at like noon. Right. Yeah. I think it was was a Saturday at noon. Was it Saturday? Yeah. Okay. I, I was just bitterly disappointed because if that game had been in Seattle, like if racing had lost, because it would have been in Seattle, I believe that mm-hmm. would have been a 9 a.m. kickoff. Mm-hmm. Like you had yeah. no atmosphere on the East Coast at noon. 
there would have been nobody in the stands. Like you would have heard the popcorn machine from the yeah. midfield stripe. Like yeah. I, I was just so disappointed at that time slot. Do you know why it was at that time? I I don't know the exact reason. The only thing I can think of is that that's the deal they got with um with Big CBS. It was on Big CBS until there was a two hour rain delay, and then yeah. they had to move it to Galazzo Network, which is kind mm-hmm. of just like a microcosm of how the whole Challenge Cup went. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I'd say it's probably a TV scheduling thing because there's probably football on American football. Um, yeah, because it was like the rest of the day. first or second weekend of college football, I believe, right? So yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. I would have loved for that to be a seven o'clock prime time, seven o'clock central, eight o'clock eastern prime time game because I think that's what if you're gonna do an in season tournament, it's gotta mm-hmm. feel special, right? Yeah. The, the MLS tried to do that with the Challenge Cup. I think because of the players and the run that, that happened, right, it, mm-hmm. it seemed to work. But if their championship game had been at noon on a random Saturday, no. Mm-hmm. And I get it. If it's the deal you got, it's the deal you got. But <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't a great deal. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know, we we had a great run in the Challenge Cup, but there were some nice wins along the way as well. Um, and, John, feel free to, to jump in and give me your thoughts as well. What were some of the, the biggest wins along the way uh, through, let's get to right at the end of the Challenge Cup, before the end of the Challenge Cup? Uh, but before the, uh, the Challenge Cup? Yeah. Um, or no, I'm sorry, before like the championship game. My bad. Yeah. I worded yeah. the question terribly. <laughs> <laughs> um I think uh God, my timelines are all screwed up. Did did racing play Portland before the the Challenge Cup final? Was it that it was that same week? Okay. Yep, it was, it was, was like, Challenge Cup, it was yeah. the match against OL, and then mm-hmm. it was the Portland. There was Portland yeah. match against OL championship game yeah it has to be the portland game that's huge they're i think they were number they were at the top of the table when racing beat them and <coughs> they racing didn't have like five or six of you know their usual starters so a lot of people went into it like oh this is this is not going to be great and they i don't i don't know what happened but they just they pulled out a win and it was it was great so that was a huge bright spot and that was the game that John and I were actually at, the only game yeah. we were actually able to catch. So oh, you thought uh, you picked a great one. <laughs> well, I like to think we brought the the winning with us. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah exactly. Wow. Uh, John, from, from your perspective, John, you know, up in the booth, what was that like uh, seeing that victory? It was good. It was a good comeback type thing. Um, it was very interesting to see how they rallied from that uh, early goal sort of thing, and how they kept driving. I don't know what it was about that game and the OL game, but they had this, like, drive in them to, mm-hmm. like, actually want to win and score goals. Yeah. That I, from what, what I've watched over the year, it was like, okay, where was that most of the year? Mm-hmm. Or where was that after the Challenge Cup loss, specifically to end the season? Because mm-hmm. it just felt like they kind of gave up in the final third. Yeah, I'm. That's that's kind of how it's been off and on throughout. Especially, yeah, you're right. Towards the end of the season, you know, 
some games they really had it and then other games they just I don't know where it went but yeah I would definitely agree there was something special about those two games in particular where they man they just pulled out performances that you just weren't we were not used to seeing from them so that was really exciting to see how how important do you think it was of their home performance this year because they were an exceptional team at home this year yeah that was that was huge and it's it's great for uh for getting for bringing in new fans if they come Mm -hmm. if like if they're like you guys and the only game that they were able to see all year was the portland game like wow i mean i I don't know how you can just you know not want to come back uh, to any game that you could after that um they also had some not so great games but that's that's part of it you know um but yeah performing well at home is is definitely very important um i would like for them to be able to do that on the road as well because their their on the road record is you know as good as their home record is their on the road record is you know i don't where they have like one win or something on the road yeah it's not great one win eight but, points total yeah not great <laughs> But yeah. but you know, they did pull a, a lot of draws out of that, right? Like mm-hmm. they they were definitely, especially that first half of the season, even into like the World Cup break, they were absolutely the queens of the draw. Like mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of progress this season, right? Like there were some of those games where they would come back and tie that in previous years they would have not had the horses to get up to the draw, right? Right. right. Yeah. So when go for it. Oh no, I was I was gonna say you're you're right. So yes, those loot those losses are you know were turned into ties. I I'm hoping the next step next year next season is those ties. We're gonna turn those into wins. So fingers crossed, that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll come back to that point in, in just a minute. But uh, I agree. I think when you think of a progression of a team, and if you are building a solid culture like it seems like they are. That would be the natural next step. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that culture, though, um, what a miraculous World Cup run for the club was, right? Six mm-hmm. World Cup stars yeah. all across the board. What does that do for uh, not only the fandom, but for the locker room? Oh, I, I think it's huge uh, that they the, the team can point to you know, their roster and say, we ha- we have a world-class roster. We have players that scored in a world cup. We have players that assisted in world cups and it's just, it's huge. I think I, uh, I believe the players um, uh, during the world cup, they, they were talking about, they would watch the games like in the locker room and like the time difference in New Zealand was obviously like, a I was, challenge. yeah, yeah. I was actually, <laughs> I actually went to New Zealand. Did you really? And, yeah. It followed the, the U.S. around for the the group stage, um, but so I think the games were on at like four at four a.m. or like seven nine, or something. Yeah, the group games were like nine nine, and then yeah. the Portugal was like three a.m. Yeah, it's <laughs> not not doing it. You know, again, can't really be helped, but it's just unfortunate. But yeah, I think that's that's huge. That you know, they they're we have world world class players here, and I wish. I kind of wish the club would focus on that more, and I think I think they did around the oh, World Cup. But I, like I think in promotional they could. stuff or yeah. just in general. Well, they they did yeah. a very 
good job, at least on Twitter. Like mm-hmm. anytime someone did something, they were posting their own thing about it. They weren't just retweeting like mm-hmm. their um, like them. Be, they weren't just tweeting South Africa, retweeting South Africa or Fox. They were like, no, but here's a picture of Thembi with her flag. She yeah, scored. yeah. And yeah, I think they're they were really really good about it um, around the World Cup, and I think they're even good about about it now when the players get called up to their national teams. They're good about announcing that um, and making that known. And you know, I guess like around the World Cup, I I think they also did like local media here in Louisville. They um they had like features on the local news, which <coughs> is you know I I still think that does play. Um, a certain uh, a certain role in bringing in some uh, a certain demographic uh, to see the team. You know, they're like, oh, I saw them on the local news. Like, you know, I heard that that story local about celebrity. Them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think the club's learning and they're doing more and they're doing better um, every year. And shout out to Jeff Greer for you know doing a lot of those promotional things for uh, the Twitter and the Instagrams and stuff like that. So. We always appreciate Jeff uh, giving us access to a lot of information into players. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of from the World Cup perspective, because you you said you went right now, I'm going to dive into that a little bit. I uh, wasn't even expecting to. Uh, I'm going to ask the hard question first. What happened? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the gosh. uncomfortable laughter. I love it. What happened? Uh, we... Well, for I don't think it's just one thing. It's a whole range of things. I I don't think that uh, Vlatko was very... Um, he wasn't very flexible tactically, tactically wise, or yeah, tactically. No, no tactical flexibility whatsoever. Um, and so also the rest of the world has caught up. You know, they're women's soccer is growing everywhere so other teams are they're just they're just catching up to the u.s the u.s hasn't always they have not always dominated i think there's a bit of a recency bias i always like to remind people they went 15 years between world cup wins and who knows if that's also going to be you know the case now so i hated about the like after they got knocked out Mm-hmm. Of course, like yes, it was so much earlier than normal. Yeah, but like they acted like we've been in the final and we've won it every single time. Yeah, the last two times we have, but it has not always been like that. And well, it's the curse. There, it's yeah. like you can't do it. Germany wasn't able to do it on the women's side, and then like both the men's teams, like Pele at his prime, couldn't win mm-hmm. the third World Cup. He got granted, he got injured, but still, like. 26-year-old Pele wasn't able to lift a third yeah. straight World Cup. Now, granted, he did later, but... Yeah, I mean... Pele was also playing against and with plumbers and construction people, so let's, let's pump the, the In the there. 60s, sir, in the 60s, you could 60s. say argue that about, like, 1950, because the U.S. goalkeeper <laughs> was a dishwasher. <laughs> but in the 60s, that, like, it was time. well... Clubs are well-established by then. Ah, yeah. Plumbers. Plumbers. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just a lot of different factors, and I'm and were the best players called up on, to the roster? 
that possibly could have been. There were also a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries. Um, So that kind of derailed plans as well. Um, However, I think there's plenty of time for Vlatko to correct and come up with a contingency plan. And he seems to not have done that. Um, So that's how you get the performance that they had at the World Cup. And it was uh, kind of painful. I had fun. I was in New Zealand. I could not complain. Let me be very clear. I could not complain. I was in New Zealand watching soccer. I mean, can't complain. But that was not very enjoyable soccer to watch. I will say that. No. And, you know, you mentioned the injuries, right? Specifically the injury to like Rose Lavelle. Mm -hmm. Open the door, in my opinion, open the door for Savannah DeMillo to get that extra playing time. So from Mm -hmm. a racing fan perspective, it kind of worked out in our favor, but yeah, I think as a, a national team fan, you would have liked to have seen the better players. I still think Rose Lavelle at that World Cup, if fully healthy, would have been a better, uh, more aggressive attacking player than what Demilla was offering at that time. Yeah, and and to Sa- to Savannah's credit, like Vlatko didn't call her in. He called her in. She got her first cap, her first appearance, the game, the send off game. Yep. Like, and then he just threw her in to, you know, a World Cup. That's that's hard to do. And I think all things considered, she did, you know, great. She held her oh, own. Fantastic. Yeah, but I don't think she was set up necessarily um, for success. And I think you could say mm-hmm. that for a, a few other players on the team as well. So, yeah. And, you know, Julia Ertz being injured. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And then when she was brought back, she was put at center back, not at her... Yeah, the position that was she a did weird the best one, at. right? Well, uh, they had, you know, Becky Sauerbrunn got hurt. She was a last minute scratch. So mm-hmm. they were like, well, we'll just put Julie Ertz back there, even though it's there Julie were others. Ertz. She'll figure it out. Yeah. And she did great. She did fine. She did, but, but that's not, not her best position. No. Yeah. So, yeah, there were other there were even other center back options. There was Alana Cook didn't play a minute and she was she's a literal center back, not not Julie Ertz, who's a, a natural uh, defensive midfielder. So, yeah, it was just a whole combination of things that that made that World Cup not great. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, John was the the one that was kind of keeping me in check on a lot of that, that World Cup coverage. And, you know, I, I really was only focusing on, like, Team USA. I just didn't have the, quite the bandwidth to, to focus on everything. But, you know, John, you were – quite uh pleased with Thimby's performance with Burge's performance um so kind of looking outside of Team USA what did those other performances look like like uh, how good were they for racing Louisville specifically um yeah uh like you mentioned um Tembi Katlana plays for um South Africa I believe she got a goal and maybe an assist um that seems we right. got a big time goal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, Wang Shuang for China got a, uh, she made a penalty kick. Ari Borges played for, plays for Brazil and she <laughs> just went out there in her first World Cup game and got a hat trick, which yeah. is casual hat trick. Yeah. Very casual. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so that, that was huge. I think at one point, like racing was at the top of the table of club teams around the world who had the most goals at the World Cup. 
so they were like at least through the groups and they finished i think if you do like goals and assists they finished Mm -hmm. well and then you know spain ended up winning the whole thing and Mm-hmm. 75% of their team plays for Barcelona. So it's kind of not really, it's not really no. fair. So, yeah. Maybe one day we get 75% of Team USA in a racing Louisville kit. Hey, that, that would be, <laughs> that would be, be cool. that would require a lot of, oh, yeah. Different. Oh, yeah. The whole setup would have to be different. That, that, no, that would require basically every other team to go. We're okay finishing mid table. Yeah, because <laughs> exactly. that is what Spain is. Yeah, like Sevilla is like we are the Europa League kings. We don't mm-hmm. qualify for Champions League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot to be said about competitiveness. Competitiveness in those other leagues versus the NWSL, but. That's well, another discussion. Well, let's kind of let's peek at that a little bit here, if you if you got the time. You know, uh, when you're looking at on the national on a global scale, right? The NWSL, one of the newer leagues uh, in the in the country, but they're all pretty new, right? Like, there's no 50 years of history for any women's league, right? Not that I know of. I mean, John, mm-hmm. please correct me if you know of more. But uh, as the game is growing. Where is the biggest competition for the NWSL and specifically for racing Louisville? Um, so like what, uh, like what team in the NWSL or yeah, what teams in the NWSL and then you know outside of uh, the NWSL, where are where is racing Louisville really competing to to find players? Um, gosh, that's. That is a good question. Um, I mean, I know we've gotten players from uh, uh, Liga MX, MX, which I I don't know if we're necessarily like competing, but I know that you know more. It that seems to be more of a pattern, like players from Mexico that play in Mexico um, coming to the NWSL, mm-hmm. um, or gosh, uh, I think we have a few. Like I don't think the like the Premier League um, or the the women I'm sorry the uh, the women's uh, Super League is necessarily a um, competitor. Like they're so different in terms of styles of of play, and really all the leagues are so different. Like the NWSL is a transitional league, right? Whereas like the women's Super League is more possession based, and a lot of European soccer is more um, possession based. So. Uh, yeah, I think, but I, I also think that it's a benefit to kind of look at all of those styles and kind of take players from each of those leagues. So you kind of, kind of have all those tools, um, on your team. So I think you the NBA is a balanced yeah, approach, right? Yeah, definitely. All right. But in like within, within the NWSL, gosh, um, what teams are, like every every team is competitive i feel like uh well, except for the the chicago lame stars <laughs> they were hey they made it to the final a couple of years ago like Woo. and then they fell off like so, so the chicago fire also have a star on their thing but they're terrible every year except for this year apparently i stopped being yeah. a fan a couple of years ago and now you're great <laughs> sorry we have messy it's fine yeah better. exactly so but I think I think maybe the biggest competition for for racing are 
teams that are kind of similar uh, in terms of their uh, not structure, but so like, like a Houston or an Orlando Houston dash Orlando pride, they uh, were kind of started part, you know, they were, they partner with the men's team. So like Houston dash and Houston dynamo are kind of connected. Orlando Mm -hmm. is connected with Orlando city and they've had very similar kind of trajectories in terms of kind, kind of struggling to really get any real progress going. The dash made the playoffs for the first time last year. And they'd been a team since like, gosh, 20, uh, 16, 17, something like that. I mean, it's been several seasons and they haven't made a playoff. Um, and I'm not sure about Orlando, but like they've just really struggled. So I think teams that are kind of similar to that, to racing in that way. Um, and Orlando barely missed, barely missed the playoffs. Um, that's what I was just looking at. They tied on points with, uh, the New Jersey, New York Gotham's, um, but I'm guessing it's goal differential. That was the difference. Them having negative one, Gotham having a positive one. Mm-hmm. And Oof, racing kind of spoiled point. it for them because racing beat them three to two the week before. That was another great game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so racing did play spoiler this year, I guess a little bit, but still um, a little upsetting, but yeah, the pride are a lot improved from last year as well. So Let's use that to kind of close out the, the 2023 racing season. Finished only one and three, uh, one win, three losses uh, down the stretch. That win, as you mentioned there, over the, the Pride, a huge victory. Uh, last home game at uh, Lynn Family. Uh, but then with some things to still play for in San Diego, they poop the bed, lose mm-hmm. two to zero, was yeah. not competitive from the beginning of the match. And now we're having a very different conversation about the club. What mm-hmm. happened down the stretch? I I wish I knew because <laughs> I wish that the, the racing team that showed up against Orlando could show up more than one week in a row. Yep. I I just I don't know if they Is were it coaching? Tired. Uh I don't know if it's it could be a tactical um inflexibility that we were talking about similar with with flatco and the national team like mm-hmm. uh i do think that sometimes kim has struggled to um adapt tactically or there's just there's just not enough and and uh abby Erseg said in um the post-game interview you know the other team was playing chess and and we were not you know we were like playing checkers and just we got out Oof. Oh, yes. Yeah, she did say that. Um, That's pretty damning in my opinion. It is. It is. Uh, and she's right. I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, the game was not competitive. No, no. And I think that happened more on more than one occasion this season. So I think if you're looking for any explanations, like Abby pretty much said it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and John and I have talked about this a lot. Like you've got so much talent. You got to capitalize on it, right? Mm-hmm. So as we're moving into the off season here, missing the playoffs, um, what are some things that need to be changed about this team? We need a 
number nine, a solid number nine. Um, like somebody who can consistently score goals. We don't have that. <laughs> we, that's just, that should be priority number one. I also think uh, getting more depth to the team. We relied on a lot of the same players. Mm-hmm. The team relied on a lot of the same players throughout the season. And I don't know if you all saw this, but racing had three iron women on its team. Yeah. An iron woman is someone who plays every single every minute, minute of the season. Is that something we should be celebrating? I don't know. Because, you know, look where we ended up in uh, <coughs> in the table. Um, I'm sure those... Well, one was Katie Lund. She's the goalkeeper. That's not that surprising. The next was Abby Erseg. She's a center back. Also, I guess not that surprising. But then Lauren Millay was the other one. She's our outside left back, and she did a lot of running this year. Yeah. So... I think we need to build up depth so people can take a break every once in a while and we don't run them into the ground. Um, we, we talked about that last night, John. Uh, so we were on an episode of Vamos Marauders. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's coming out later this week or next week. Mm-hmm. And John, you had some some interesting thoughts on that exact same thing of, is three iron women a good thing? I personally don't think, even with goalkeepers and center backs who typically are ones to do it, like, I just don't, as a coach, to not even give your backup keeper one league match, just one is mm-hmm. questionable to not me. Not even a half? <laughs> like, um, yeah. center backs, I understand sort of thing, but an outside wing back, literally anyone but a center back and goalkeeper playing every single minute is absurd. Yeah. Yeah. And so that like brings a lot of my questions of like, is the underperformance on Coach Kim or is it a mix of personnel possibly not gelling well together? Um I I tend to think that it's um well, in my opinion, Kim's gotten two seasons to work his magic with the team, and I think we the, the team ended up in the same same place in the standings they were last year um so i haven't seen a market improvement um so to me that is that's coaching and tactics i i don't we have the personnel like you guys said we have really really talented players on paper this team should be doing way better than it is and they're not so i do think it comes back to um to coaching at some point so yeah, that's my take. All right. Hot take. Heard it here. And I completely agree with you. Like, I think, uh, especially if the players are, you know, not outright saying it, but saying it without saying it, like, I think we need to make a change there. Is there a number nine out there that you think racing should be targeting? Anybody you've got your eye on? Uh, I, I can't think of one at the moment, like a, a free agent or someone. Um, I mean, Mal Swanson is available, but she's not leaving Chicago. So let's be for real. So, uh, that would be a good one. That would be a really good one. Um, but that's the thing. Mal Swanson's Sophia Smith's Lynn Williams. They don't, they don't come along every day, you know? No. So when you get one, you really have to scoop them up and, uh, develop them. So I, I wonder if the team's going to go 
younger and maybe kind of develop mm. a a player. I don't know from where, uh, maybe the draft or a young player um, in the academy or something. I don't know, but that might be their their best bet because so far none of our other options have really um, done much. I mean, Nadia Nadim was a really good choice, uh, but she could not stay healthy. You know, she's constantly mm-hmm. injured. And she's um, in her thirties at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. like in her mid thirties. So that's, Oh wow. I yeah. didn't realize she was that old. Yeah. So that's not necessarily, she's not necessarily going to be an option forever. So I think the club maybe needs to start looking younger, um, wherever that might be. And that's tough for Nadia. Cause she is literally like the heartbeat of the team, right? Like do you let yeah. her hang on for as long as possible or. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? She's I th- I th- think her contract might be up this year. I'm not in sh- I'm not entirely sure. So we'll just we'll have to see um, what happens. Yeah, John, are, you know, uh, we talked about the draft for a second there. Are there any Kentucky players um, on the what am I looking for? The golden boot list that are number nines that maybe racing fans could look forward to? If they go after them, the only one I know for sure that would probably be coming out is Jordan Rhodes out of Kentucky. Um, cause just because she's a fifth year. So, like, unless she has a COVID year and decides to stick around or something like that, um, I don't know. The draft is so weird with the NWSL. Mm-hmm. It's like, didn't a 16-year-old go number one last year? Uh, Yes. Yeah, I, yeah, she's a teenager. Yes, I don't, yeah, I don't like, know how old she so, is. So, like, I don't know where it goes, type thing. Like, they're trying to do that thing of where soccer teams tend to have more younger prospects versus mm-hmm. college ones, but that I feel that's more of an academy thing that you address than having a draft. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't know, but Jordan Rhodes would be like, if I could guarantee someone probably coming out that be available she would be it is there anybody in the academy that you know of anybody from the the two the the second team that dominated everybody but indianapolis and should have made the playoffs i still stand by that take (laughs) um i i i don't know actually um I would like I'd have to, to think, go back and look myself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the other problem with the NWSL is there's not really a mechanism. There's not a homegrown rule. So mm-hmm. there's not really a mechanism for our academy players to go directly to racing right now. Like we like hmm. the team would have to like buy that player's discovery rights and from themselves. I don't. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so ridiculous. The budget sheet. Yeah, it's so insane how it how it's worked out. Um, because uh, Emily Madrill was actually a player for the uh, the W League team, uh, racing's W League team last year, and she went I think third in the draft. And racing had like the did we have the fourth? Racing had the third or fourth pick. I don't know. They they barely missed they barely missed her. She's a center back. She came out of Florida State. Oh, that would have been a big help. And she played. She played at you know, at um, in Louisville. She you know practiced with the first team and you know liked it here. 
she's friends with uh, or she played she went to college with Jalen Howell so they had that relationship as well and like because there's no homegrown rule that says she can move directly from the W League team to you know or you know racing kind of helped her develop a little bit not entirely she wasn't part of the academy technically but like they would have had to draft her and they barely miss out on drafting her and now she's in Orlando and she just would have been a really good get but because of the way that it's set up like there just wasn't a way to to get her easily so that's another again another conversation to have <laughs> yeah you know as a league how do you not protect you know your academy players and stuff like that yeah exactly and like uh, again she wasn't technically an academy player she played on the w league team after college you know in between um but she couldn't really like she couldn't say like i want to play at racing like because she, she had to apply for the draft right right so i don't know it's not a it's not the best system we'll just leave it at that <laughs> yeah um speaking of what probably won't be that great of a system. What is your thoughts <laughs> on the recently leaked uh, NWSL TV deal info that has been leaking out recently? Oh, yeah. Isn't it like, can you refresh me on the details? Because I so, like got bits and pieces. Yeah. So what I've gotten is that there is four people competing for it, or they might do all four broadcasters at once. Of CBS, ESPN, Amazon, and Scripps. I don't know what Scripps is. Well, Scripps uh, is literally like the national spelling bee. Like those <laughs> folks, the people who run that. Like no, seriously, like that's it's the same. They have company. a channel. They What's own that? like certain channels. I don't remember uh, which ones. Yeah, and this would run through twenty twenty seven. Um, the the only thing I can see so far that's good is that teams would get ten million per year. Mm-hmm. compared to the 1.5. So basically, they're spreading the games out on like several channels, right? I I don't know. Like, I guess for building an audience, <coughs> that that can be beneficial, but it's annoying to have to have all of the streaming services necessary <laughs> to watch... Especially if you follow like one team and you just want to, you know, watch them. I just, I think anything would be better than what they have now. Um, like no more Paramount Plus, please. No more. I just yeah. don't. I nope. just don't no want more. that Thank anymore. Thank you. Found yeah. somebody else who agrees with me. Get <laughs> off of Paramount. I don't want to have to pay for it just to watch the games. Yeah. Use. Go to Peacock or ESPN or something yeah. like that at worst. Or... Uh, or like Just CBS quick. Sports Network. That's the worst yes. one to me. That's the worst well, one. Nobody has that channel. I have, I have that channel. <laughs> you do? Do you have cable? Yeah. Okay. I still well. have cable. I'm old. <laughs> um, Lucky. <laughs> just as a, a quick kind of refresher, Scripps, um, they're a national broadcasting service, and they have about 62 television stations in 43 different markets. Um, so I don't. It doesn't quite list which ones, but they are owned by Discovery. Um, so they're in the WB, what is it, Warner uh, Discovery family now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe there's something to that. You know, maybe it winds up on uh, HBO Max or something like that. Or what is it now? Max Discovery Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever they call it now. Who knows? <laughs> well, we have absolutely ran the gamut uh, this evening on all things Racing Louisville NWSL. Um, Caitlin, where can people continue to follow you and check in on more of your work? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Kate, so K-A-I-T underscore Whiteside. Um, and then you could follow um, Butchertown Rundown. I have to, uh, gosh, I should know this, uh, what our <laughs> handle is. And uh, I do know, but I just want to double check. It's a uh, follow Butchertown Rundown at Butchertown R on Twitter. I'm not calling it X. Sorry, but Thank it's just not happening ever. Um, and yeah, we post there. We uh, release episodes every um, every two weeks on Wednesday um, during the season. We have like next week, I think, is our like end of season wrap up. And then I don't know, we might do a few episodes here and there in the off season, but um, we will start back up again. Uh, on a regular basis once the um, the season starts in February, <coughs> March. So Sounds good. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Um, and Caitlin, we'll see you all uh, around, and we will come back here in just a second to finish up talking about our show for today. So thank you, Caitlin. We really appreciate you. All right. Thank you for having me. Yeah. See you. Bye. John, that was a, that was a great conversation, yeah? Yeah, that was good. Real nice. Yeah. I learned a lot. I didn't even think about like the uh, the TV contract and stuff like that. So I thought that was a that was a really good question for you or by you. But. Well, it like broke today. So indeed, indeed. Oh wait. Okay, no, I thought I'd ended the stream on accident because I got an email that said, "Never mind." Uh, that's what I get for checking my email while I'm, I'm live. Um, John, let's now go to the bottom line. Uh, John, huge matchup this weekend. Um, we've talked about it for a couple of days now in the row. Lou City at Memphis. What are we in for this weekend, John? It's honestly hard to say. Um, you have... Lucy playing a team that they're very familiar with um, in Memphis. You know, both sides have been around a bit. Uh, you know, in terms of head-to-head, Lucy has the overall thing. But, however, in the two games this year, uh, Memphis rolled Lucy in June, yep. and they tied in early April. Um, 1-1. Yeah. The last time Lou, um, to be fair, the last time Lou City lost in Memphis has never happened. So that could favor us. Um, They have to add some draws, so we'll have to see. Um, Lou City has been this team of like magic in the playoffs, so is that magic still there even with a bad, really bad season by their standards or is it finally the downfall because they've been this really dominant team for 10 years 
the fall has to happen eventually. Like even Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, like these teams like Bayern, well, Bayern right now is on its run, but even these teams that dominate had to eventually come down for a bit. We're seeing that with like Ajax in the Netherlands. Ajax is like below mid-table in the era of easy right now. So it the fall has to happen eventually. Is it at this point where it's like a slow fall, or is this just like a sign of the future where it could be more of like a drop-off? Well, yeah, and that cliff is what I'm af- afraid of, and I don't know if we're peeking over and we're going to see the bottom, or are we peeking over and just seeing a ledge to the next level below, right? Um, you know, I don't know what is going to come out of this game. I mean, obviously, if Lou City wins, yeah, you know, we're into the quarterfinals uh, of the Eastern Conference, so... It's not the worst result, you know, if that's where, if we were to then lose at Pittsburgh or something like that. Not the worst result, but I just I don't know what to think of the current uh, team's form. One win, one draw in the last five, uh, and really bad losses. That uh, four to three loss to Miami, where Miami came back late and and beat them. Even the one one draw to Hartford just. That uh, you when you were in the thick of it and you were trying to make a run, that just doesn't seem like something that you should have a team you should have drew drawn with drawn with. Nah, I don't know. You know the loss to Tampa. Okay, I can kind of understand that a little bit more. Uh, even now, looking at what happened, the loss to New Mexico United looks a little bit better, right? Like it's a lot better than Memphis's four to win four to one loss uh, to them, right? Yeah, and I think that's the key is that makes this game so hard to predict because both teams are coming into this off embarrassing yeah. losses. So it's like who's gonna bounce back? Yep. Type of thing. And you know, just giving some of the, the numbers here for Memphis, you know, two in let's see, two wins, two losses, and one draw in the last five. Uh they beat Tampa uh four to two, so a pretty resounding victory. Uh, and then they had a huge win at El Paso, which inevitably gave them the home field advantage, that 4-0 to zero victory over them. Uh, if you, I mean, not to, to think too much on one result, but if you go back to the very beginning of the season uh, where Lou City lost 3-0 to zero to El Paso, I know the teams are totally different now, but if you had flipped that result, this game's in Louisville. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> Is it in the world? Uh, we'd have three more points, and we'd have three more on a, a goal differential, right? You flip the scoreline? No. Well, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. If you get three more, yeah. Okay, they would have if they had gotten the three points. They would have had one more point more than Memphis, right? So, you know, it, the season comes down to, to those little details. And right now, I don't know what it is, but this team does not give me any confidence that they can go down there and get a victory. I mean, looking at their last three road games uh, at New Mexico, 2-0 loss, at Loudon. Now, that Loudon game was in a monsoon, so Lou City scored twice, but... 
I don't remember if any of those may have been saved, right? Uh, but that was a terrible rain game. And then the game at Miami, uh, the four to three comeback victory by that other team in Dade County. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just interested to see uh, which Lou City team shows up. So. Yeah, that's going to be ultimate thing, yeah. And, you know, if you're looking at Memphis, you know, just in case Lou City fans are not aware, you know, uh, Rogers DaCosta, or Rodrigo DaCosta, top scorer with 15 goals. Uh, their goals and assists leader also, uh, Rodrigo, uh, with 19 goals plus assists. So not the, the highest scoring attacking leader right especially because the person behind him um, only has eight goals um they seem to have a little bit of lack of attacking effort but blue city's not going to be any better right john it uh, like i said it's going to be do they have this playoff magic still or are they is the season truly like is this is this truly the beginning of the fall so uh, yeah, we'll Wilson Harris, top scorer for Lou City with nine. Uh, his he is also the goal plus assist leader at eleven. So like not even close like to what Memphis has. You know, John, is we do have. Uh, oh my gosh, I just dropped his name. Uh, the player that we loaned out to San Diego, uh, Mushigalusa. He is coming back, right? So his addition to the roster. For the playoffs should help, uh, you would think, right? I don't know. He hasn't been that consistent in terms of the attack when he was with Luce City. Uh, he kind of becomes a a hole almost as the ball goes to him. So it's going to be real. I'm curious to how the vets. I'm more curious of the vets. How do Owen B, Lancaster, Del Piccolo, how do they all respond? How do they mm-hmm. go into this knowing this could be like the end of Lucidity streak type thing? How, are they going to go into this and like we got to, you know, go all out or, you know, is, is their time, has their time passed? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's going to be the difference. You know, do they have enough to win one in Memphis? Yeah. I do think they have enough, but I don't know if they, have the tactics to do so. Um, some other stats that kind of jump out to me. Um, penalties conceded. They rank third in the league with allowing eight penalties this season. Like, that is insane. Um, but they rank in the very bottom on tackles per match and clearances per match. Like, you're giving up too many penalties. You're making too few tackles. You're not clearing the ball. Like, uh, it's just uh, a frustrating bit. Now, they're accurate on their crosses per match is is quite well. They're number one in the league, 5.2% uh, on that. So that's pretty good. I'm trying to find a silver lining, John. The silver lining is that they can, they can beat Memphis. Both sides are coming into this on rough starts the 
the June game is way back at the beginning of June, so this is completely different teams. Louisville was very injured at that time. The silver lining is it's playoffs. Very yep. different than regular season. So what say you, John? How do you think this one's going to close out? Uh, hard to say. I think it's going to go to Penns. Um, oh, wow. Now, in the USL champion, do they go to overtime or just straight to penalty? Uh, let me look. I'm pretty sure they go. They do extra time. Okay. While John is looking that up, uh, just you know, final reminder of the standings. Pittsburgh wound up winning the Shield. Tampa finished second. Charleston Battery finished third. Memphis fourth. Lou City fifth. Indy 11 sixth. Uh, Birmingham Legion 7th, and Detroit City in at 8th. And they were uh, tied with Miami on points, but... uh, Is that right? Yeah, they were tied with Miami on points, and they had a worse goal differential, but they somehow made the playoffs. Interesting. Um, And then... Tulsa finished 10th, Loudon finished 11th, and Hartford, congratulations, you are the absolute worst team in the league with a negative 39 goal differential, and you tied Lou City at Lynn Family Stadium. Did I stall enough for you to, to find that, John? I'm still trying to read. You know, as we're kind of uh, looking at the playoff bracket, let me get that pulled up here. It just, I can't find anything that says necessarily rules. It just says single elimination. Okay. So, you know, who knows what will will happen. Let me pull this up here, and we'll do a little prediction um, for all of the teams as we are closing this out here today. So John, we got the bracket pulled up here. I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna go with my what I truly think will happen. I'm gonna say Memphis two to one to beat Lou City. Um, do you want to go game by game, or do you want uh, me to pick mine and then you pick yours? We can go game by game. Sure. So, what's your final from the Memphis and Lou City game? Uh, I'm going to say 1-0 in Loose City. With an extra time or penalties goal? Yeah. Roger, roger. Uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh. Your Detroit City FC heading out to the Shield winners in Pittsburgh. This, this one is going to be hard to call, in my opinion, just because they both played to a draw this past weekend. Um, but I still think Pittsburgh is gonna win this one. Yeah, no, no shot that that Detroit goes and pulls the upset, and then if Lou City can pull the upset, they host. Right? That's not gonna happen, right? Mm. <laughs> it could. It could. I mean, that's what if uh, if that were to happen. I believe as the the five seed hosting oh, the eight seed. If they go like last last year, they do go into extra time. Okay. 
So, yeah, I agree with you. I think Pittsburgh wins it. Um, Closing out the top half of the East, we would have a second-round matchup of Pitt and Memphis for me and Pitt and Lou for you. I'm going to think it's going to be an easy street for Pittsburgh to head to the Eastern Conference Finals. John, if it is a Lou City and Pittsburgh, how do you see that one going? If it's Lou City and Pittsburgh, I think – the fact it'll be in Pittsburgh, Lou could win it, but I think Pittsburgh is gonna. Pittsburgh is just looking too good right now. Agreed, agreed. Heading down to the bottom half of the East here, Charleston and Indy. I hate Indy, so Charleston, congratulations. Uh, that one's an interesting matchup because Indy's been playing really good lately. Um, outside of maybe one or two games. Uh, Charleston has kind of fallen off. They were at one point in time top of the table. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to if they kind of are running out of like fuel. Very easily could. Um, so which side are you leaning towards? Uh, Indy in that one. Cool. Last one here in the East. Tampa and Birmingham. I think Tampa's just got too many horses. They're too good. I think they they send the Legion home. Yeah, definitely. Even though Birmingham did have a good season, they had a good Open Cup run before running into... Who did they lose to? Inter-Miami? Or Cincinnati? I can't remember which. I think it was... I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, so Tampa and Charleston for me, I think again, Tampa on to the, the Eastern conference finals to set up an all chalk one, two matchup again, John, you would have Indy and Tampa, any threat to the rowdies in that one? No, I think Indy, I think Tampa takes care of Indy Eastern conference final number one pit number two, Tampa. How do you think that one goes? This is where I think there's a little change. I think Tampa wins that wow i hate to agree with you because of you know uh argument sake but i agree i think tampa is just playing too well down the stretch to for tampa to overcome so we'll flip over to the east here uh, sacramento new mexico new mexico is coming in hot um, sacramento is kind of cooled uh as of late um, i don't think the upset happens here but i would not be surprised i'm gonna go sacramento john how do you feel um, not fully sure, but, oh, wait, sorry. Uh, Sacramento is going to win this. Easy, easy peasy then. Uh, the four five matchup out West San Antonio, Colorado Springs. Um, I don't, I don't know enough about either <coughs> of these teams really. Um, I'm going to, Go Colorado Springs just to have a little bit of a, a different answer. That's all I got. Uh, well, I San Antonio was San third Antonio. in the in the I West for San a long time. Antonio takes this. Yeah. Yep. All right. The SD Loyal in their final run here, um, hosting Phoenix to start. I think there's no shot that the Loyal lose this game. No shot. What do you think? Um, could be their last home game ever. Well, I think the Loyal are going to run with this because 
I think El Paso can upset Orange County. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I agree. So I think the loyal are going to run gonna with this one. to keep home field as much as they can. Like the loyal are going to should play as a team on a mission. Yeah. So we'll we'll let's look at that matchup then. I because I agree. I think Orange County loses to El Paso. I think El Paso is just too good at the end here to to be extinguished by uh, Orange County. Which now we guaranteed Orange County is going to win it all. Uh, Loyal hosting El Paso. I think that's a fire matchup um, and definitely one to watch for. Uh, I'm going to go San Diego to keep pushing uh, forward. What say you? Uh, Was it San Diego versus El Paso? San Diego. Definitely. Agreed. So in closing out the top half here, I think Sacramento is going to easily overpower San Antonio or Colorado Springs. Uh, What do you think, sir? What? What did I say? Did I misspeak? You, said you, you you okay? Yeah, I think actually, I think Sacramento is going to top San uh, San Antonio. Roger, Roger, and I think they'll top Colorado Springs. So sets up the Western Conference Finals. Number one, number three, an interstate rivalry, nonetheless. Sacramento hosting San Diego. Who you got? Um, I think San Diego, I think they should be going like, I just feel they're going to have a lot of fight in them. I actually am going to agree with you on that just because I think, um, I don't think Sacramento has the horses that they did last year by making that open cup run to the final. They kind of proved they didn't have enough to, to finish that kind of a fight. I think the same kind of demons are going to rear their ugly head against the SD Loyal. And I'm going to go for a final of SD Loyal, Tampa Bay, and just as you are, right, John? Yes. Big matchup then. The last matchup ever for the Loyal versus a Tampa team that's uh, El Fuego, to say the least. How do you think that one goes? I think, um, oh. That's going to be a really good one. I think Sacramento pulls it out. They just have been silently grinding. You mean San Diego? Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, you're good. So My you're taking hurts. San Diego, the three seed in the West, all the way, huh? Yes. Uh, no, not so fast, my friend. Uh, Tampa's got too many horses. I think their their barn is way more stocked. I know the Loyal are going to give everything they got, but unless Landon Donovan's walking out of the booth, I don't think they got enough. Uh, I'm going to go Tampa as the champions this year because they're not going to have to deal with Lou City. But... John, with that, we'll transition now to kind of our last segment of today's show, kind of talking about our College Cup updates um, for, or college updates, I should say. We have a new top five, and I think we can go on and declare a victory for who will win the College Cup this year. Um, New top five. Um, Number five, Cumberland, University of the Cumberland's women, um, Undefeated on the season, 10 wins, two ties, two interstate victories, 38 points, good enough for fifth place. Campbellsville men, 
Uh, Ten wins, four losses, one tie, three interstate victories, two interstate losses. Good for 40 points and fourth points. Asbury men, welcome to the top five. Uh, They have made a jump up eight, eight, two, and four on the season with four interstate victories and two interstate ties, giving them 42 points. But the biggest move of the week coming from Center College women who are 11, 1, and 4 on the year uh, with 43 total points. But Union College men, 12 and 0, one tie, five interstate victories, a whopping 52 points. As the seasons are starting to wind down, I don't think anybody is catching Union College. Yeah, they're kind of running away with it, and they have been all year. Yeah, they have had a a great year, and I'm really glad to see those guys uh, doing as well as they are. Uh, John, you got a. I know none of the teams were ranked this week. Um, UK women fell out of the top twenty-five. They didn't. I thought they did. Oh, my apologies. Mm. They fell out of our top five. That's what it was. They, yeah, they are still. Uh, they are twenty third in the country. 23rd. Louisville fell out of the top twenty five. Yeah, that's what it was. They fell out a couple uh, weeks ago. Yeah, uh, I'm double checking NAIA right now, but uh, for the men, uh, Lindsey Wilson remains fifth. Uh, unions up to thirteenth. Let's go. In the nation, Cumberland's is at 18th, and that's it for top 25, and they're known getting votes. And then for the women's, uh, Cumberland's remains at third, with uh, Campbellsville is now ranked at 24th for the women's side, and that is it. Love to see it. Uh, John, any Golden Boot, Golden Glove updates? I did not get a chance to You're good. update that. We will get those posted as soon as we have those for you all. Uh, John, any final notes for today? I don't know. I'm all good type thing. Sorry, y'all. I've been kind of under the weather. So, <laughs> a little out ah, of it. Man. Life happens, my friend. Uh, but with that, we've had a great week here in the Bluegrass Soccer Cast. We appreciate any and all the support that uh, we have gotten from new followers to uh, anybody who's willing to, to support the channel financially. We have a Bias Coffee account. QR code lives right above my shoulder as well as, well, boom, drop it right here on the screen for you. Look at that magic. Um, we appreciate any and all donations. Our content is always going to be free, but it always goes a long way when we get those donations. Um, make sure you're also following us on all of our social media channels. We've got uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. All of those are at BG SoccerCast. And our TikTok is going to start. Uh, we're going to get some more content up and going on that, um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So make sure you subscribe to that. We also uh, want to make sure you're subscribed to all of our podcasting platforms. We're on Spotify, Google, YouTube, Apple, uh, iHeartRadio, and so many more. Uh, when you find us on a podcasting platform, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and share, like, rate, do all that fun stuff. It really helps the show grow. Uh, we appreciate everyone for watching and listening to this episode. I'm Jimmy. That's John. And we will see you 
on the next one.